I am a begrudger, so I'm all for controversial decisions going against successful people. This is not the first time your columnist has used the word leprechaun when referring to Ireland, and I see it as my duty to point out that this represents an unacceptable slur. So, naturally, in this weird degenerate's mind, he goes, Oh, okay, so he turned around and kissed me. This is Morning Brew episode of, what are we on, 15? 15. One five. It's a beautiful, beautiful sunny day in Dublin, Ireland. Please it's do actually, not come here. It's slightly overcast. I'm recording outdoors, so you can see, you can hear dogs outside. Someone's mowing their grass. They've just stopped, as if to spite wow. me. They did that to spite you. The grass is yeah. really overgrown. They did that to spite you. I am, of yeah. course, Adam Sheridan, joined every single week by my co-hosts, Daniel Purcell, Stephen Burke. Other way around. I introduced him. He introduced me. Is there a cat behind you? Yeah, it's my mom's cat. The cat used to climb up the drapes. No, it's a diff. Well, no, this cat climbs up the. Yeah, it's it's a it's a it's a cat that climbs up the the curtains. Oh, okay. She's not coming over. <laughs> She's not a very friendly cat. Well, yeah. Nuria's mom lives in a place where they they had a cat like twenty. They rescued a cat like twenty years ago or so, and it only died recently. But they where they live now, which is in semi rural Spain, just has like. 20 or 30 like the descendants of the original cat that just live around her they're <laughs> like they're not like domesticated but they're not like feral either they're like somewhere in between so they're like whenever she arrives they're all like greet her but they'll never come in the house and she'll mm-hmm. leave food. <laughs> basically what i think is around when Nuria's mom lives is like a rat dead zone uh, it's like rat yeah probably it's like it's not allowed it's just completely like devoid of, of rodents that's called a uh, an ecosystem I mean, that's what you I want think, really i don't think there's yeah. most of that many cats that concentrated <laughs> yeah, but I'd rather have a million cats in the neighborhood than a million rats in the neighborhood. Uh, this neighborhood, there's a million rats. I tell you that. Oh. <laughs> Any more cats, so yeah, yeah. Sure. sounds like there aren't enough. <laughs> yes, we start calling people. People who start calling out treachery, they're cats. Oh, okay. I suppose we should. Kick off. I have no idea what I'm going to say today. By the way, I just, <laughs> I, I have had a blank. All day. I knew I knew we were recording this since Thursday, and I have come up with yeah. So let's see how this goes. I, I usually just, so just yellow swag it in, my man. You just yellow I, swag it in. Yeah, you just gotta you just gotta see what happens. You just gotta open your mouth and words come out. You're like, great, excellent, love it. I you love that we're start? hearing. Sure. I was gonna talk about corporate tax. Okay, that's fun and interesting. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it's pretty, I'll tell you. I'll tell you why it's especially fun and interesting. It's because Ireland's quote unquote twelve and a half percent tax rate headline corporate tax rate uh, it seems to be dead in the water. Um, and and basically everybody in it seem it seems as though there is a rising sense of panic that oh oh fuck actually this time they're serious about it at, at international level making Irish companies or companies registered in Ireland uh, pay pay more pay more tax. I think there is a there is an, an interesting thing you can talk about there, which isn't necessarily going to use the word tax too much, which is when you're sort of like torn between, in principle, recognizing, yeah, this is probably wrong and we shouldn't allow this. And then like in reality also being like, I wonder, is my job connected to this? And should I want this to continue yeah. because well, I want to stay you know, employed? Ireland's like a monopoly board, but it doesn't have any of the tax um, port persons on it. So you can never land yeah. on it and pay tax. Yeah, there's no go to jail bit either. <laughs> no. <laughs> No, there's not. Unless you're David Drummond, you get like a minimum security, not a real prison sentence. There's the slap on the wrist space. Yeah. <laughs> Where it just says, ah, don't be doing that again. <laughs> ah, will you stop? Will you stop? 
<laughs> the next time this could end up possibly being serious. <laughs> yeah, better not do that again. <laughs> well, let me let me be clear. You're not going to be a businessman ever again. Your your career in business is over, my friend. Now take all these millions and get out of here. <laughs> I don't want to see you again. No, Ireland, Ireland flattered itself for a very long time that we're not actually, you know, a tax haven in the sense of the world that, you know, this time it's different. You know, our, our tax havens have no tax. We just have very, very little tax. I say we, I mean, our government. That's your specific, specific group of companies that uh, is very, very, very little. <laughs> Around the 0% mark, it seems, <laughs> year <laughs> on year. <laughs> well, it, like... This this weekend, Paul Krugman is getting in the neck from the Irish ambassador to the United States of America, Dan Rooney, about coming out with the word, you know, about leprechaun economics, that this was somehow anti-Irish. He's can't, trying to cancel Paul Krugman for some reason. Um, of course, it's five years too late. Paul Krugman wrote about leprechaun economics, quote unquote, in 2016. It is now 2021. Where was the anger previously? Maybe they were just trying to not draw attention to the whole fact of the thing that it was it was that much of a ridiculous problem that they do you think yeah uh... what but like why why would you come out and why you have to ask the, <laughs> ask the question why would someone in the irish policy permanent government elite come in and say oh man man that paul krugman is a right bastard isn't he calling us patties and mix and all this shit why would why would he come in and do this five years later after the fact now that you know the what G7 I has set new tax rules you know what mm -hmm. I bet happened? I bet mm -hmm. he was on. You know when you go to like, a, a, you go to a news website and you read an article, and then it's like, hey, read this article, and you, it's like related. Yeah. I bet he was reading an article from two days ago, and then he accidentally clicked on something that brought him back to 2018, and then one that brought him back to 2017, and then one that brought him back to 2016, and not looking mm. at the dates, he thought this was brand new, and decided that he was going to be the Irish hero we all needed and deserved. Yeah, <laughs> I'm getting very worried about this Hitler fellow. I think he might become a problem. <laughs> we should stop him. <laughs> I don't know why we're not doing more. <laughs> oh, here, here's the here's the here's the here's the quote. Actually, sorry, it it seems that he said it. He wrote it again in relation to the Irish tax system. So almost as if the situation hasn't changed in five years. Let me tell you about Apple and the leprechauns, Mr. Krugman. Krugman wrote in reference <laughs> to Ireland's corporate tax regime. And apparently, in a letter to the New York Times, Irish ambassador to the United States, Daniel Mulhall, said he was writing to the paper to express his disappointment. This is not the first time your columnist has used the word leprechaun when referring to Ireland. And I see it as my duty to point out that this represents an unacceptable slur. Yeah, I okay. do not go along with Mr. Krugman's disingenuous excuse that the Irish have a sense of humour about his attacks on us. Derogatory references in a leading newspaper like yours are no laughing matter. It's absolutely hilarious. What is he talking about? It's a funny I mean, joke. Uh and, uh, yeah, but also it would make more sense if we didn't have a leprechaun museum. Yeah, um, we you know. haven't <laughs> into the leprechaun thing. Yeah, yeah, like we have a leprechaun museum. We use the con in tourists when they come over here, and it's quite expensive to get in. So we actually like swipe quite a bit of money off of roving tourists to kill the afternoon for them. But uh, yeah, I don't know what the fuck he's talking about there. Even you going back to the nineteen fifties, even going back to the Irish, uh, like the nineteen late nineteen forties, early nineteen fifties. When Ireland was trying to stop being a pariah state in the first place after the Second World War, I'll, I'll have you, I'll have, have you reminded. There was an incident in which, um, uh, our, one of the one of the big reasons, one of the big stories that emerged from Ireland in that time in terms of like quirky, non-serious news was that Limerick City Council or County Council, Limerick County Council, uh, was considering whether to allow a, a house builder 
I think we were considering like digging up a ferry fort in order to build houses as part of the government's, you know, housing program. Off the leprechauns. Well, exactly. And this made global headlines. And <laughs> you, you look internally in the Irish news agency and on the one hand, it's a bit fiddle-dee-dee, but on the other hand, think of the tourist money. <laughs> <laughs> and that's where oh, they yeah. left it. That's the, that's the official policy on, on leprechauns. It must be fucking awful to work in tourism and to have to play to all of these Irish stereotypes and to have to be what the Americans primarily want to believe the Irish are like. Having worked for a tourism company at one point, I could tell you that the guys in there uh, not only don't give a shit about that kind of stuff, they lean into it pretty heavily and pretty like, like pretty, like they're pretty fucking gung ho about it. Like they don't even think about it. I mean, you're in the entertainment business. It's yeah, showbiz, exactly. baby. Yeah, yeah. Sure, they're, they're but like, if you're like, if you're like organizing these things, or you're the ones, you're the entrepreneur, you know, you're the one who's, who's, um, who's making the main money off it. Sure. The sell out your own heritage grand. But if you're the fucking shop staff in, in Carol's or, you know, the museum workers in the Leprechaun Museum or something like that, you know, how do you feel about the fucking twiddly D out, uh, outlook and having to play that up? Have you ever been into Carol's? I don't care as long as they tip. Have you ever been? In, have you ever actually been in a Carol's? Only when it rains and I need to hide while I wait for the bus. I uh, I brought someone in one time because she was visiting from overseas with her boyfriend, and they wanted to go in and get souvenirs. And I was like, okay. I was like, you're probably not going to find much in here, but sure, let's go in. And <laughs> to this day, I'm still upset about this, but they had a baseball uh -huh. tee, a black and white baseball tee that said Dublin across the back. <laughs> and I really, I really fucking wanted it. And I just refused to allow myself to have it because of how gross that is. I refused. I was like, not a fucking hope I'm allowing myself to have this. But I really I, wanted it. I think I've definitely bought something in a Carol's, but I'm not sure what it was. Water. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, a bus pass. <laughs> a rambler ticket thanks I, I think i think those shops are definitely one of those classic examples of a business model that i don't understand i don't see how there can be that many of them and they can all make a profit when I they're think, only ever like you know there's only ever like three people in there at any i one think time. they're grossly overpriced and that probably works out well for them but fall 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 so like yeah. you go to places like dame street uh where there's a constant throughput of people who are getting off a coach tour well, you know, in the before times, getting off a coach tour, um, walking around in circles, uh, seeing the museums in the area, they're spending an afternoon there, and they're effectively a captive audience. They have to leave, they have to pass the carols on their way out of the, uh, on their way out of the bus. They've got to pass the carols on the way back to the bus, and you know, they're ca they've got cash to spend. The Irish tourists, people who come to Ireland for tourist reasons, well, the people who came to Ireland for tourist reasons in the before times were the people that were marketed to by yeah. Ireland and its predecessor organizations. Uh, the richest shit. Okay, well then here's here's a follow-up. Compa even compared to even compared to the ordinary Irish people who are in the most one of the most expensive economies in all of the world. They are rich as shit. They are all rich as shit. If you are coming to Ireland, it's because uh, the Irish government thinks they can fleece you um, and Irish businesses think they can fleece the hell out of you. And they're right. Yeah, they're right. There's no way to have a budget holiday in this country. It's just no. not possible. One of my friend's mothers, she uh, works in the Avoca shop and uh, I think she explained how the economics of how the shop works as, as follows. Chinese tourists or whoever coming to see the Avoca gardens will spend 50 euro on an umbrella. Irish people will just get wet. It's as simple as that. That's how the shop works. True. 
You know, I've never been in a Voca shop until about five years ago. I didn't know they existed. What's in them? <laughs> I, it's just like a lot bunch of, of random shit. Stuff. Yeah, a bunch of random shit. Like they'll have like cookbooks and stuff in there. They might have like bits and bobs, just little things. It's kind of weird. I went in with Aoife shortly mm. after we first started going out. I think it was because she was getting a, I think a present for her brother, maybe, or she mm. was looking for something for her brother. I can't remember, but I had never, uh, I had never heard of Avoca before, and I just didn't want to say that because I knew I had I had found out very quickly it was quite a well-known store, and I had just never heard of it in my entire life somehow. <laughs> I, yeah. I, had, I had gone, like, I was, like, 25 and had never heard of Avoca until, like, just then, and I was like, yeah, I love Avoca. It's it's great when they sell those uh, avocado stress balls. Yeah, I love uh-huh. them. Great. <laughs> it's the ultimate shop for going into in the week before Christmas. I mean, like, fuck, I have, who have I not gotten a gift for? There's definitely something in here for them. I a need something posh and presentable. Yeah, portable chopping board set and a key ring finder. Excellent. <laughs> Done. I'm such Mom a good sorted. <laughs> but, but speaking of tourists in Dublin, do you think Dublin is actually a good spot to take tourists? Whenever no. friends visit, I'm no. struck by how little there is to do. Not unless they want to drink or go. Unless they yeah. want to drink or go to a, go to like a rugby match or a football match, I can't think of anything to bring them yeah. to. Like uh, so I can't think. Fine. I can't think of them. I can't think of anything that I'd want to bring them to. Other than school tour shit, but I suppose maybe that's what they want to see. But yeah, but even then, like, where are you gonna go? Shit, yeah, school tour shit. See the Aurus. Associate with like going to see something famous. Like you go to Rome and you see the Colosseum, and you see you know going to Dublin and something like behold the famous Guinness tourist office. Yeah. the Aurus is pretty cool. There's a nice view at the top, but the Aurus is great. Okay, see it. Before we continue, before we continue, we really have to introduce the show because I'm gonna have to cut it out and put it at the start. Oh yeah, sorry. Okay. This is Morning Brew episode, what are we on, 15? 15! Yeah, 15. One five. It's a beautiful, beautiful sunny day in Dublin, Ireland. Please it's do not actually, come here. It's slightly overcast. I'm recording outdoors so you can see, you can hear dogs outside. Someone's mowing their grass. They've just stopped. As if to spite me. They did that to spite you. The grass is yeah. really overgrown, they did that to spite you. I am, of yeah. course, Adam Sheridan, joined every single week by my co-hosts. Daniel Purcell. Stephen Burke. Other way around. I introduced him. He introduced me. Neither one of you, one of each other. There. Okay. Okay. Now you can go back to your point. We'll we'll slice and dice it. We'll cut it up like a butcher. Sure. Okay. Yeah. No. My point is broadly that I think the thing people most associate with Dublin is Guinness, the Guinness storehouse, and they assume that they're going to go to a brewery when they visit the storehouse. What they instead get is a bunch of fairly old interactive screens, and then a bar at the very, very top, which. You could never see anything in because it's always jammed full. And most of the tourists, I think, go and then realize they don't actually like the taste of Guinness. And then that's the most famous thing that you can visit in Dublin. After that, they promote the spire, but the spire is the thing you look at. There's the museums that you can go to, which are fine, but you don't go specifically to a city just to go to its museums. I think, like, no, that's true. That's true. I think you can maybe spend a day here. You go for, and most of that's focused around going for the for the night out in a pub. There's at least yeah, another. Exactly. There's a, it's a it's a good place for a stag weekend. But if yeah, um, yeah. I if suppose it, you want to crank another half. If you want to crank another Instagram friendly half day out of it, you could go to Hoth. Hoth's a bit shit though. Like you'd have to go out there and get chips through the cliff walk. A lot of walking to get to the cliff walk though. Bray's always full, but they're always full. They're never like there's no. I think people expect mm. from Ireland a bit more tranquility or peace because that's how it's marketed you know come out here and walk on on untrodden paths and all this kind of stuff and then they go to Hoth and there's like 10 million people yeah and they're all from Bally Bay 
Well, that's um, because the entire infrastructure for the Irish tourism market is entirely based on driving tourists from Britain and uh, to a, to a, as great an extent Germany, and behind that then uh, the United States who might hire a car, um, because the entire tourist infrastructure of Ireland uh, grew up in the post World War Two age, uh, specific and hasn't really evolved beyond that mindset. City breaks driven by the whole Ryanair culture have become an, an enormous thing over the past decades and they follow trends uh, in, a, in a big way so it has become reasonable for a tourist uh, for a single tourist destination to reasonably expect itself to be able to develop a market for tourists develop it extremely rapidly and sustaining it is a secondary afterthought but places like Budapest for instance uh, between 2003 2004 would have developed would have had exponential growth in tourists, especially from, you know, especially doing the hostel tourist thing and stuff because it was cheap. It was cheap in the way that Ibiza and, and other places in Spain were maybe becoming more expensive. It was different. It was alternative. It was somewhere people hadn't been before. So a lot of people went there as a sort of an alternative to going to fucking Thailand or whatever. Um, not quite gap, yeah. But you get all the same popular tourist, low-end stuff. And Dublin decided it wanted the rapid growth, I think, I mean, seven years ago with the, uh, with the new city development plan, but it, uh, it, it, it didn't really want those sorts of people. There was sort of a denialism aspect to it, and that's why we have all the hotels. Yeah. Well, that's it. Like, you know, if friends come over, you know, the, the only highlight of friends coming over to Ireland to visit um, is to hang out with their friends that are that live here, mm-hmm. um, and I'll say that hundred percent. Like, look, I have friends that that I had in the states when I lived there and stuff, and uh, you know, a few of my friends were desperately wanting to come over to Ireland, but they had a very different view of Ireland than what actually was. But realistically, mm-hmm. like coming over was to spend, you know, they spent about five days here hanging out with me and getting me to show them parts of the city that they had wanted to see. But that was yeah. all stuff they googled after buying the tickets. You know, they really mm-hmm. didn't know what to expect coming to Ireland, and realistically, you know, they were here for I think it was like. I think it was six nights. I think it was seven days and six nights. I think they went home on the seventh day. But, mm. like, we had to go, we went drinking every fucking night because it's not like there's anything else to fucking do. You know, well, and I took them to a variety of, like, different different bars and stuff. But, like, realistically, there's an awful lot of bars and stuff in Ireland. Well, not anymore. But there's, yeah. <laughs> there's an awful lot of bars and stuff in Ireland, right? But also, look at most of them, and they're the same fucking bar owned by the same fucking people, just with a different splash of paint in there. There's very few good bars in Dublin City. You well, know, very few good ones. There's some nice ones, but who has the stamina for drinking five nights in a row? Not me. Well, not anymore. Not at Dublin prices. No. Well, that's it. Like, there's something like, like, what's, what, what, what would you say? Like, I think Secret Bar is probably one of my favorite bars in the city. Um, but what's you can the only point even really... having this conversation. We've no idea if any of them are going to open again. It should be more optimistic. Okay. <laughs> you know, that'd you have fine. Secret Bar. That'd be that'd yeah. be fine. The good the good ones will survive. It'll be fine. Yeah, you have Secret Bar. Secret Bar is great, but you can only really kind of go to Secret Bar in the summer. You know what I mean? Like, kind of like the edges of the start of summer and like the edges of the end of summer when it's starting to get bad again. Because realistically, there's nothing worse than sitting out on a soaking wet terrace while it's pissing down rain. And you have like one tiny little like umbrella sticking up to like have nine people try and get out the rain under. It's like, you know, it loses a lot of its fucking luster once you get into October. That's why you want to go to Lord Edward. Lord Edward is great. 365 days a year. 363. Anyway, well, it was good. Ginger Man can be all right. Um, mm. I know Rob's a huge fan. I, I uh, Rob's just an I'm, alcoholic. I was never that big. Oh no, he's, he's off the drink. Man. He's off the drink. Is he off the drink? 
Can we just cut this bit? Is he really off the drink? He's drinking a lot less. Can we can we just cut the bit where I say Rob's an alcoholic, please? Sure. Thank you. How do we come back from the cut? Well, so we've established that Mr. X is definitively not an alcoholic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, no, that's fine. We we can uh, we could we can take that out. That's fine. <laughs> no if I had to pick... dog, Braun is an alcoholic. <laughs> <laughs> if I had to pick my favorite bars, well, yeah, it's the Lord Edward probably. Uh, that's a the problem. But then it's is... also you can do a good you can do, do a good gay themed pub crawl from. Uh, from uh, uh, Cable Street, uh, Cable Street down Parliament Street, and to, all the way to the George, if you so desire, that'll keep you entertained. Yeah, oh, it's either. all been pedestrianised as of this weekend. It might stay that way. Who knows? Work, workman's Workman's is pretty good, but the problem with Workman's is you have to flip a coin with that because you know some nights it's good, some nights it's not so good. So you know, you flip the coin. If it's heads, it's going to be a shit night. If it's tails, it's probably going to be a shit night too. Don't go to Workman's. Mm-hmm. Um. Also, if you want to drink heavily, you probably need to bring your own drink in. <laughs> yeah, but not like that stuff. Have like every my, single time before. My problem is that I'm inherently an old man in that when I go out, I yeah, generally right. go to a pub where I can hear people talking. So like, I, I generally want somewhere slightly quieter. And the problem is there's a whole cohort of people like us. And when word gets out that there's a pub like that, all of us fucking <laughs> go there. Which means that very quickly it stops being that lovely level of mid, you know, mid full that you want, where there's an oh. atmosphere. Like the library bar used to be great, and then everyone heard about the fucking library bar and how great it was. And now also, it's now been it, turned like... into an apart hotel. Is it really? Yeah. Oh god. Ah, fucking suck a dick. Fucking hell. Um, yeah, the worst quiet bar in the entire city, and I don't know why anyone ever fucking suggests it is the Black Sheep. It is the loudest, the loudest fucking bar in the world. And everyone always says, oh, we'll go in here for a quiet drink. And it's like, this is the, what are you talking about? The music is always far too loud. Everyone is screaming over the top of each other to be heard. (laughs) The bar staff are like dropping glasses everywhere. It's the loudest fucking bar in the world. And what makes it worse is Connect floor and board games flying everywhere. Like Connect four just going all over the chicken wings and all this. No, thank you. the bar is so small that all the noise fucking just rever- just reverbs through the whole fucking bar. It just bounces everywhere. It's so loud. It's such a loud bar. I don't know why it ever gets suggested for a quiet drink. It's so loud. Me and Dan went in after seeing Spider-Man. That's the last time I was in there. This was like two years ago. Spider-Man. And, uh, we went to see Spider-Man mid-afternoon because Dan was free and I snuck out of work. And uh, <laughs> we went to go see Spider-Man because we hadn't seen it. It was about to leave cinemas. And yeah. we went in there afterwards. And... Uh, I think it was me and Dan and maybe four other people, and you still couldn't hear anything. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, we were sitting beside each other, and we still couldn't hear each other because it was so fucking loud in there. Mm. I, think, I think we agreed that we enjoyed it, and that was about the fr- that was as much as we could communicate to one another. Yes, I enjoyed it. Ah, what a... Yeah. <laughs> I, do, I do think it is one thing where um, the English have it a bit better in that they do have a much better genre of quiet pub and i don't know if that's just because of when they were built or how they're set up or whatever where the sound gets absorbed more easily but i always feel like there are those kind of like older pubs that you can go to in england where it's so much easier to hear people talk even if it's fairly jammed you know what's yeah you know what that that i was just about to say that that's one of the more disturbing things about bars Um, if you go into a packed bar there's like large tables of people like you know sometimes you see a group that's like probably nearly 20 people wide in one group <laughs> 
when they're all sitting there whispering to each other, it's so off-putting. It's like a weird side quest in fucking Skyrim or something, and you're half expecting the entire table to turn around and they're all vampires or whatever. Uh, It's so weird. uh, like, you walk in and they all have drinks uh, and there's, like, empty glasses everywhere. So it's like, I know you're at least half cut because there's four empty glasses there. Like, you know, you've had a few at this point. What the fuck's with all this quietness? It's really weird. It's really off-putting. It is very funny, though, when you see, like, these large groups of people and they're fucking, they've, they've taken up the entire bar. They've taken up, you know, nearly every table there. No one else is going to find room for the entire night. So they've committed to this huge night. I hate it when there's an orgy going on in the bar as well. Fuck people fucking (laughs) everywhere. It's awful. On the tables, on the bar, on the floor. It's awful. You you just can't find anywhere to put down your your drink that isn't already made of flesh. You just find someone's back that's as smooth as possible. You just put it there. Make it a a sadism game. You move, you're getting whipped. You spill a drop, you're getting whipped. Now you just made it way more kinky than it was already. It was a it was a weird bar orgy, and then you're walking through with a whip, being like, "All right, spill my drink, fucker! I dare you." <laughs> we've we've gotten here from corporation tax, so <laughs> well done, Steve. You did manage to make it interesting. Yeah, obviously, Ireland... obviously, my original idea wasn't that interesting, but we made it work. Because <laughs> Ireland's getting whipped by other corporations on a daily basis. Yeah, and now, so and now we're going to get whipped by all the all the daddies in the G seven who have decided that we're getting too much out of the whole tax arrangement and want us to maybe give it up a little bit more. Oh, that's really surprising that other people would eventually stomp that out on us. Who would have foreseen that at some point? Anyway, we're lucky that that we got 30 years of it. In fairness, my favorite part about Ireland being such a low tax place is that the argument was always that if we put the tax up, everyone will leave because the Irish are a bunch of unskilled fucking idiots and no one would ever want to stay here and hire anyone here, which actually the opposite is true. But, Ireland is actually quite a highly educated and skilled workforce and just none of them could find work because of how our, our, our economy is set up. But this idea that like if you raise it to 15%, then Apple is going to fuck off and fire 600 people and just train them, I guess, again in some other country from the ground up in record time. And it's like, you don't know how businesses work. The moment That's the not... moment the news reaches Apple, there's just a yeah. big Apple building shaped cloud in Grand Canal. Dock. <laughs> yeah, like... yeah, they just they lift off into space and then all you yeah. see is falling out of it, oh. falling out of it, landing in the canal. <laughs> One guy left over while some senior member of Apple is kicking his fingers to let go of the windows. <laughs> Get out of here, Jerry. <laughs> hey, you're there, a line Mark, item. You're a line item, and I'm cutting you through. I'm writing. A, I'm putting a line through you. <laughs> hey, Mark, you look like you have something to say. Yes, I do. I have to go now. My home planet. <laughs> Mark Zuckerberg died on his way back to his home planet. Oh, if only. <laughs> oh, but like, I mean, this is the real test, isn't it? If yeah. corporation tax goes up two and a half percent and nobody loses their jobs, then there's no reason to put it up another two and a half percent and make twice as much money. We'll right. We'll finally. We'll finally find out if all the lies they've been telling us about how we're not totally not a tax haven are actually true when taxes have to go up two and a half percent. Hey, look, man, uh, if I lose my job because I'm actually not skilled at anything at all and that my entire company decides it's going to fuck off somewhere else, good luck mm-hmm. to them, I guess. I'll throw my hands up and say I'm wrong. But I can tell you from working in many big companies, and you could tell that these people have never worked with or in any company, especially mm-hmm. one of a large size. One of the things that benefits for Ireland so much is that we have such a diverse cultural um, background of people. So a lot of people come over here for education or work opportunities. And that's great for international workforces because you can have a place like Ireland 
and you can have that as your main headquarters and you can have that with your largest staff and in there oh look we also have 60 people who speak fluent french we have another 80 people over here to speak german we have another 120 people over here that speak spanish that is really beneficial for people for an awful lot of fucking reasons there is a reason why these hire in such large droves in dublin because it's easiest to do it you know what i mean and i'll tell you for a fact now i've worked in places like the uk and i've worked here and some of the salaries in ireland absolutely blow some of the salaries in the uk out of the fucking water you know, when it comes to certain people being hired, and it's just because they're that valuable to them over here, you know? Mm. And maybe, you know, maybe the job is overpaid, but when you're talking about a company that makes billions of dollars a year in pure profit, they don't really give a shit if someone's overpaid by five grand a year, because what's that to them? They don't notice that money. Also, there are definite tax incentives for paying and offering extremely good benefits here. Well, that's it. Like, the the worst thing you can do... And see, it's really weird now because I'm speaking from like management positions. The stupidest thing you can do is not have a happy workforce because the second your workforce is unhappy, then that's immediately when everyone's work goes down. Because who the fuck wants to show up to work if it's a miserable place to be? I have to be here 40 plus hours a week and it's miserable and I fucking hate it. Yeah, I'm sure they're going to put my best work out here. No, of course they're not. Like, it's just, it's fucking plain to see. Like, whereas even, even like still there. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just saying, you just look at places like Google, and there's guys that work full-time for Google that are on, like, 30 grand a year, but they get their breakfast, lunch, and dinner covered, and they get their dental covered, and they think, oh, this is great, I'm a fucking millionaire, I don't spend money on food, and if my tooth hurts, I get my filling for free. You know, mm. I know there's a, I know you have to pay part of that, but you pay, like, 20 quid, like, you know, so you look at stuff like that, and you're like, these are tiny, tiny little increments of money. But like this person now is going to work so much more than if they were getting double what they're on because they mm. think they have it made. Like, you know, there's, yeah. there's real fucking, there's real positive incentives there for people. Yeah. You know? And it's not just this thing of like, oh, if they had to pay an extra couple million a year, they would definitely fucking leave right now. They, they could definitely replicate this in Turkey. I'll tell you that. Uh. <laughs> They'd be there tomorrow. <laughs> this is going to be played ironically in two years. When everyone's left up. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. When Google is based in Turkey and they just have 500 Turkish people. Steve's been replaced by a tumbleweed. The, the Grand Canal docks is just, uh, is, is just cafes. Actually, my job would be completely unaffected because I've only ever worked for Irish-owned media companies uh, serving a domestic business-to-business audience. <laughs> I refuse to work for any Irish company because I secretly hate Ireland and I'm racist. I can say that because folks. I have an Irish passport. Can you use the word leprechauns as your slur? Oh, that's right. <laughs> uh, can you show us your passport? Does it have you in one of those leprechaun hats? I don't have it here. It's somewhere else, but I wish. I wish. It would be very good if the Irish passport demanded you put on leprechaun outfit before you take the picture. That would be How my first <laughs> Irish. That, if I if I became fucking Taoiseach, I'm telling you, that'd be my first fucking move. Every <laughs> national Irish... If you're not from Ireland, that's okay. You can have the Irish passport and just be yourself in it. But if you're Irish national, oh, you better get that fuck. Listen, Spud boy, you better get this fucking hat on. Get this fucking hat on right now. I'm sorry, also, sir, but is there, a, is there an option where I can just wear the flat cap? Also, everyone's middle name would change to some variation of potato, so it would be like Spud or Masher or something, and it would just randomly generate. It would like all just be completely random. How are you lads? Just me, Roasty. I'm back. <laughs> Roasting! How are you? Steven Sweet Potato Brandon. <laughs> <laughs> we'll go out to tubers. That's as far as we'll go. <laughs> Alright, so have, Adam, have you had time to think of a topic yet? Or do you want me Would to... Would you like us to stall Dan, longer? Of course I have thought of a topic. Of course, naturally. <laughs> but you can go first because I want to make... Let the audience wait. I want to let it breathe. So... You're going to tease him, are you? Bastard. Yeah. 
my topic is just inspired by edging. you know by <laughs> <laughs> i'm doing it right now why do you think i'm in such a good mood uh, uh, no, it's inspired uh, by put your hands where i can see them please they literally are where you can see them the <laughs> keep, the you better fucking keep them there you haven't seen my I third hand. Up. I'm not wearing pants. I'm just wearing my, my Dropbox t-shirt. Thank you very much, Dropbox. I've, ju- I've just got a flashlight like, attached to the end of this table. So. Yeah. That is a genius Clenching fucking invention. That's, once I get chocolate ass off the ground, I'm getting the fuckable table off the ground. That's my no, next. No, it's my not idea. Again. I've already claimed it. It's already it on all fours, baby, just the way every man likes it. <laughs> 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 oh, fucking God. <laughs> Shout out to my fiance Aoife. Can't wait to marry you in five months' time. <laughs> okay, okay. So, um, my topic is inspired by the start of the Euros and essentially just the joy that comes or the fun that comes when there's a big sport event. Not necessarily a full tournament, just a big sport event that everyone is invested in. So, like, everyone will talk about it. Mm-hmm. You see it in all the paper. Everyone tunes in and just that sense of commonality and kind of. I suppose what are your best your best examples of the best memories you can think of? Like Steve, well, I remember in the last Euros when we yeah. were in in the old house yeah. off in Avon Road watching Ireland play yeah. Italy when Robbie Brady scored and we were yeah. celebrating so much we broke the couch. <laughs> was, that, was that really as recent as the last Euros? Yeah, yeah five years so. ago. I think tournaments are the ultimate form of sport. I think there's something that literally everyone can get into and get excited for. And I think the international tournaments particularly. Yeah, totally. Yeah, 100%. Like if if you, because it's just, it's the most pure form of sport. You understand how things work. You know what I mean? You place people in brackets, winners move on. Eventually someone wins all of them and then they they get their big, nice trophy and they go home with a slap on the arse. Yeah, I, I I have absolutely no idea how the Premier League works when it starts. It just seems to be constantly on. A lot of it's round robin stuff, isn't it? Yeah, it's round Don't fucking ask me. It is, yes. It's, it's just everyone plays each other over the course of the year and you get points if you win or draw. Yeah. Is there um, ever a final? When no, is it? it's just whoever's top of the league. Sometimes the team wins the league like two months before the tournament ends and everyone has to oh. play the rest of it like it matters. Um, <laughs> but, but, but the other fun thing about a tournament is that like, because everyone's involved and because it's so, as you say, so basic, people just get involved in these really random little storylines as it goes on. Like I remember people fucking hating Brazil in the last, not the last World Cup, the one before that, because of how they played. And they were like, they're fucking dirty. And then when Germany beat them 7-1, it was like collective <laughs> catharsis. And we're like, I'm fucking yeah. so happy that that's happened. I'm just delighted that they've been showing up at last. Or you get like randomers who you've never fucking heard of in your life. And by the end of like the first match watching them, you've just this massive opinion on them. Like, yeah, Locatelli. I've always, I've always had an opinion about Locatelli. I know he's no good. Never fucking heard. I didn't even know that could be a surname until before yesterday. So. <laughs> isn't this just sports? Isn't this just like football 24-7 anyway? Yeah, exactly. Well, until the knockout rounds. And then it's football only every second day. What horror. Disgusting. I, I, mean, I couldn't. It, What's I the Carabao Cup? Dan, what is the Carabao Cup? It's just like a... F- um, it used to be the Carling Cup. I don't know if you heard of it when it was called that or the Milk Cup. A bunch of different names. Used to be the milk what cup? is Carabao? Is yeah. it even sold? It's an energy drink, isn't it? Yeah, I, I think so. It it's just I've never even heard event. of it being sold. It's just a sponsored um, tournament? Yeah, like um, it's just the League Cup, essentially. So it's isn't like that how, cup isn't that how golf works? Aren't a, aren't a lot of like the, not the big majors, obviously, but like aren't a lot of the smaller ones named completely just after who sponsors the event and shows up the prize money? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, like the worst one is the, um, the, the EFL table cup. The EFL trophy <laughs> is currently called the Papa John's trophy. 
before, <laughs> and before it was called that, it was called the Johnston's Paint Trophy. So I, <laughs> I want that to be a thing in combat sports. I want the UFC to cave to sponsors, and I want someone to be the middleweight Papa John's champion of the fucking world. That is fantastic. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I want the UFC to cave to sponsors, and I, I want mean, someone I to think, be the middleweight the, the Papa John's champion of the, the fucking world. League. That is fantastic. <laughs> you know, I love it. Barclay I love it. Maybe it still is, but like, you know, Barclays for a very long time, wasn't it? That's like a prestigious sponsor. Mm. I think in France, it's sponsored by Uber Eats. So it's the Uber Eats Liga. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. More like oh, the man. Uber Eats League. Yum. There you what go. Up? There you go. If anyone in France is listening to this, uh, contact the 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 league, and we'll uh, we'll give them our slogan. They can buy it from us. Be the morning brew league. Oh. No, they, they can just they can they can keep the Uber Eats league. They will just sell them the slogan. You know, a bit a bit of beer money. That's all right. That works. Simple. Yeah, I think it's great. There was a there was a push for a little while for tournaments to be a bigger deal in 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 boxing. Um, but it like the World Cup of boxing or something. So it was actually the World Boxing Super Series. There was an old tournament in the 2000s called the Super Six, um, or the Super Six Series, and they, they basically just got up like a bunch of the the best boxers and they, they played them against each other and, and the winner overall would leave as undisputed. But it was kind of a, a shitty format and it didn't really work and there was a lot of mistakes in there. But then the World Boxing Super Series came back. Uh, Cruiserweight was the first year along with Super Middleweight. Cruiserweight, flawless. Absolutely fantastic. Of course, no one cares because cruiserweight is a dead division. No one gives a shit about it. Um, and also, like, it, if, why if they had, had why, why is it dead? Why is it dead? Cruiserweight's not very exciting. Um, you know, it's a lot of cruiserweight is just kind of like small heavyweights, and that's not mm. great because heavyweights, for the most part, aren't all that exciting. Good like, name it's, though. It's great if you watch something like a like an Anthony Joshua, you know, and you're mm. and you're expecting and gonna get a knockout or Deontay Wilder, but for cruiserweight, you're you are and you aren't going to get that, but also a lot of it is real fucking plotting, and I can see why a lot of people wouldn't be into it, especially because, mm. like, realistically, you know, it, it, it's bad to say, but as, as you go up in weights in combat sports, the skill level drastically goes down, um, mm-hmm. because realistically, they don't need to be all that skilled at a certain height and weight, because, you know, a guy is six foot seven and 250 pounds, or, you know, like Francis Ngannou, who's the current UFC heavyweight champion, he's 6'5", and he has to cut down to 265 to step on the scales. Like, you know, at a certain point, it's like, yeah, he's skilled, you know, on a world level when it comes to other heavyweights, but he's not all that skilled compared to, you know, another weight class. But, um, yeah, the t- problem with boxing is, is that people get in the way of boxing and other things really fuck it up. So, like, you know, if you if someone goes through a really rough 12 round fight and you expect them to turn around in three months time and do another round, you're probably not going to get that. And that schedule getting thrown off really fucks with a lot of mainstream people that would watch it and so it never really had the support it needed um, mm. and it's probably going to disappear uh, unfortunately but yeah that uh that was great i i was i was all in for for the the super the um world boxing super series i was very excited when they announced it super middleweight not the greatest but the, the cruiserweight they did the first year that was a fantastic tournament great because, every single matchup in it was fantastic because mm. i guess like the problem is that if the the equivalent that pre-exists is box uh, is it's not box is the Olympics, but isn't Olympics is only amateurs, so you get like pretty much any of the. Uh, no, like, you can compete as a professional in in. Uh, can in you boxing? Yeah, you have to have. I believe it's under five fights. Okay, but so um, it's not like it's not like Mayweather or someone could show up in. in no, in no, the it's it's not like basketball. Um, Couldn't. It's, that's, I don't think it's fair that Mayweather can't be the Olympic champion of the world. He should be able to turn up and fuck people up. I and mean, then... he was at the Olympics. He just didn't win. 
Ah. Uh, but like, you so know, why is, certain, he a, why is he such a winner now? The better boxers go to the Olympics? Hardly. Uh, a lot of a lot of Mayweather's success just revolves around the fact that he works a lot harder than other people do. Mm-hmm. Um, and that has served him very well. Like, it, you know, he he hedged his bets on having a certain skill set, and other people couldn't overcome that skill set. But also, he doesn't drink. He doesn't really have all that bad habits. I know he's kind of a scumbag as a guy, but skill wise and fitness wise, he's always ready and he's always training and he's always keeping himself in top condition, whereas other people don't. Mm. Um, and in, in a sport like boxing where people cut massive amounts of weight, eventually it's going to catch up with them. But for mm. someone like him, it won't catch up with him, even when he's fighting in higher weight classes, because ultimately he's kept himself in that shape. And, mm. you know, not doing long term cuts over time probably benefited him a whole lot, actually, because his kidneys wouldn't have been as sore um, when he got mm. older. So that probably would have helped him tremendously as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a pity. Like, it, can't, it just can't exist in, in the sport of boxing because no one's going to put money into, uh, into doing it. I, I think the first year, the only reason it, it really existed was because they had such a large prize fund. I think there was uh, $50 million between the two tournaments of year one on mm. the line, and I don't think they came back towards that towards the end. So that, that was unfortunate. But, you know, it's just one of those things. And it, it is really unfortunate because the, the thing that stops combat sports being accessible to casual viewers is the fact that it's run more like a circus than it mm. is an actual sport. And that, that definitely puts people off. Sure. So Mayweather fought in Atlanta in 96. 96? 96. He got silver medal. He got bronze medal. And the dude who beat him is oh, the last sorry, person yeah. to have ever beaten him. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. My mistake, my mistake. I thought it was silver. Maybe he yeah. stopped going to the Olympics because it was the only place he got his ass whooped. Apparently well, it was by I... a controversial decision. I don't know what that controversial decision <sighs> was. Well, there's been a few of those in boxing in the Olympics lately, hasn't there? See, I'm a begrudger, so I'm all for controversial decisions going against successful people, even if it's deserved or undeserved. Yeah. I mean, in, in fairness, there's, there's controversial decisions in boxing every two days. Like, it's, you know, that happens quite a lot. But, uh, yeah, a certain point as well is that, you know, you don't really want to stick around too long in the Olympic cycles because boxing especially is a sport where you only have a short window and, you know, you want to maximize that amount of money you're going to get. And realistically, you know, of course, you can turn professional without fighting amateur, but no one's really going to pay you a whole lot of money, and it's going to be a very long time before you get anything worth looking at. Whereas if you're coming from the Olympics, especially if you're coming from the Olympics as a, as a, a medalist, especially a gold medalist, um, you know, you're going to get a pretty nice contract right off the bat and probably a pretty good signing fee too. So <laughs> you know, at a certain point, it's like, you know, you got to turn, you got to turn early. Um, well, what's your I mean, window for boxing then? What's the normal window? Because like, I would imagine what most events, it's sort of like... You, you can be an athlete between maybe 20, 18, 19, if you're super gifted, and, thir- and you're early to mid-30s. That, I mean, that would be the window I'd see for footballers, for rugby players. Um, tennis players seem to go on a bit more, but maybe that's only because I follow better. They're a big gamer, though, aren't they? Yeah. That's true. Tasty. Yeah, I mean, there's, nicer, there's... nicer lifestyle and everything. Yeah. There's some, uh, I mean, there's some boxers that can go on for a very long time. Like Klitschko was in his 40s when he got knocked out by Joshua the last time he retired. Mm-hmm. Um, I think his brother was probably close to 40 when he retired, stuff there. So, I mean, it depends. For the most part, you kind of want to see people kind of narrow it down in their early 30s, depending on how long they've been doing it. Um, you know, especially because the trauma over, you know, a decade plus of getting punched in the fucking head is going to catch up with him eventually. Um, so you don't really want to see people stick around for too long. But yeah, like early, early 30s, mid 30s at a real stretch. Mm. Um, is when you kind of want to see people wrap it up and, and go. A lot of them just can't because they have no other skills and no money. Mm. 
Uh, is your topic, you're a professional Adam? athlete, you can put 30% of your, of your money for your entire career into your pension. There you go. There, just move to Ireland. Yep, move to Ireland. Floyd could live, Floyd could live next to Bono. Yep. <laughs> oh, man. Sorrento Rowe wouldn't know what hit it. What's, what's, one, of your, what's one of your favorite sports moments, Um, Probably the most memorable sporting moment of my entire teenage years was in the 2006 World Cup final when uh, Zinedine Zidane headbutted Matteo Matarazzi. That was in the final. <laughs> Got that... sent off with a straight red. That was. Well, I mean, I mean, what were we expecting? Like, what was he expecting to happen? It was the World Cup fucking final, France against Italy. Um, and it's not even a sporting moment. It's just one of the things that stands out because I'm not that interested in sports, <laughs> but I am interested in drama. <laughs> I love drama. Are, I couldn't tell you anything else about what happened in that final except that Italy won, and Matteo Materazzi got his head got got absolutely pounded to the ground by a big baldy fucker <laughs> who lay, laid his head right into his chest. I think one of them said something about the other one's sister. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, what, Ooh, what are you doing Matarazzi saying things about people's sisters in the middle of a football match? Matarazzi insulted uh, Zidane's sister. Um, and I think more more entertainingly, Zidane had scored in the match to put. It was his, his last ever game in football uh, after a legendary career. You know, it, it was like he it was sort of declining yeah. as well. So he played really well in the World Cup and it was almost miraculous that it was like, you know, rolling back the years. So it was like <laughs> set up for this fantasy tale where he'd already opened the scoring. He was going to win them the World Cup and retire into the sunset. And then instead he... <laughs> Like, fuck you, Italian. Went down in absolute flames. Oh, man, you got to love it. Didn't they go taking down these big fucking murals of his head and stuff that were up for his testimonials in Paris? Yeah, and especially because his head looks like the World Cup trophy anyway, so she should have been destined to win it a second time. <laughs> I mean, in fairness, he has the name. What was, it, what was the score in the end, Dan? Uh, it was, I think Four they won them. It was 1-1, and then they won it on penalties. Italy won it on penalties. Uh, that's like... What could have been if you just had kept the fucking head? Like, yeah, ah, Zidane's the real winner. I mean, Zidane is the real winner. He went off and, you know, did his coaching badges, won the Champions League three or four times in a row. Uh, so he, he, Zidane is the ultimate example of if you're just talented, you don't, you don't really give a shit what happens to you. You just come back <laughs> and do more, have more success afterwards. Is, uh, is soccer the most aggro players of any sport in the world? No, that's definitely Gaelic football. Yeah, mm. remember? Do you remember the international rules games yeah. from the early two? For any non-Irish listeners or mm. non-Australian listeners here, this was an attempt in the early two thousands to like play. Essentially, because we we figured we're so good at Gaelic football, it's a shame we can't play anyone and actually yeah, internationally improve how good we are. So, <laughs> so we, we look. <laughs> we're so good at this game we made up, but it's a shame we can't beat other people who don't know this game. So anyway, we, we got absolutely we brutalized around. by the. They got absolutely brutalized by the Australian players for several years in a row. <laughs> We're actual yeah, professional we, athletes. We, we, we basically looked for Aussie rules and said, "Ah, fuck it, close enough." And we made some fucking compromise game. We combined the rules of both sports. I think we won once or twice, but it was more just the outstanding brutality on both sides in terms of tackles. Um, I I remember one player, one Australian player, tackling an Irish player by essentially grabbing his neck. And using his neck as what can best be described as a pivot in a lever, and just yeah. swing, swinging around him like he was fucking Spider Man or something. It was the most dangerous thing I've ever seen anyone do in sports. Yeah. And more, um, and just as weirdly, he was fine afterwards. You thought I'd seen a man die. Yeah. 
Aussie rules looks like a cool sport, to be fair. Like, it is, it seems to be absolutely fucking brutal and full of athleticism. What more would you want? I do love when you have those, like, <clears throat> maps of, you know, most popular sport by country, and it's just, like, mono, you know, monochromatic soccer in nearly everywhere, basketball yeah. and baseball in one or two spots. And then just fucking Ireland is Gaelic football. It's like, we're doing our own thing. We don't care about you guys. In fairness, yeah. though, it, it kind of it kind of falls into an interesting period of history. Uh, and Australian rules, similarly, I presume. Um, you know, when when the concept of football has splintered in five different directions uh, in 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 the Anglosphere, essentially, um, that the that in Europe and in European colonies, they stuck to the English version, but the English colonies have developed their own, and the English former colonies developed their own versions of the of the sport that differed in radically different directions and and with significantly higher degrees of brutality and hand passing what's that about why would why are they just like did the colonies and former colonies and independence movements that spawned them want to set themselves apart from from britain i mean so you know you, you can't really say that gaelic football is a is is a, is an adaptation of 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 association football design? No, it's not an adaptation of association it's football. A different game, but it's a different game. But it evolved out of rugby clubs. That's the thing. GAA evolved out of rugby clubs. Yeah, a lot of the big rugby clubs, like in Kerry, took up playing GA when the GAA was founded. I mean, that would oh, make sense. Okay. Yeah. yeah, but that's that's like how all the hurling. But clubs, that's when. Uh, but that's when cricket. you know. But that's what you know. The concept of football quote-unquote in the 19th century victorian definition before association football was really ever formalized and widely popularized you know the concept of football was a lot looser and the two sports you know some clubs like the dublin university football club for instance is the rugby club but the uh the the divergence from that vague concept of football football kind of seems to have taken you have to see gaelic football in that context there's no other way to see it than a, a gaelic spin on uh on that with that wider broader sense of football football um but it has its parallels in rugby and heart which is popularized in you know south africa the big players australia big on it aussie rules is a big thing new zealand but and, and the united states as well have american football and soccer isn't so big so why then is soccer soccer so popular in Europe and European colonies or former European colonies like Brazil and places in South America? What What is that about? I've always just assumed that the game got to English colonies earlier so it had more time to diverge before everyone started mm. playing against Formalizing it. Yeah. Well, that, does yeah. Make, that makes a lot more sense actually than the shit I was talking about. But there yeah, you go. I mean, yeah, exactly. It, exactly. It, it diverged earlier in, in the former English colonies in that case. I remember yeah, they I, think, made it. I think as well, though, like one of the things that helps soccer be as popular is it's that it's it's super easy for anyone to step up and play. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, obviously, there's a lot of nuance and a lot of skill involved in it. But like, if you're a bunch of kids with a football, you know what I mean? Like, that's all you kind of really need to kill an entire afternoon. And <laughs> um, whereas it's not quite the same for a bunch of other things. Um, and quite honestly, like, you know. I think now it's just kind of obviously going off momentum and that's going to keep rolling on probably till the end of time um, because I can't see anything else being more popular than soccer. But like, yeah, I, I think it's just the easy use. Like, you know, obviously baseball is a giant sport in a lot of places, but realistically, like, you know, how, how likely are you to be able to gather up your friends and play a fucking game of baseball in the park? You know, not it's not mm. really that likely. Like, you know, there's very few things that you can just kind of jump in and do 
whereas soccer is one of them. And I think that probably helped quite a lot, yeah. especially if you're, you know, when you look at like poorer countries where they don't have a whole lot going on, you mm. know, it, it probably helps a, a great deal where they have something to concentrate that energy on and it doesn't cost them any money. You can play exactly. soccer. You can play can. football barefoot too and everything. So yeah, as long as you have so, good surface. There's famously a story about how the Indian national team qualified for one of the early World Cups and um, the dispute that came in was that they didn't want to play, uh, that they wanted to play barefoot or that one or two <laughs> of the players used to play in barefoot because that's how they played in India at the time. Yeah. <laughs> um, Jeepers. Which I mean, yeah, let, yeah. Like, let them play how they want. Mm, yeah. Okay, Adam, you've had, you've had two total Quit stalling. Now. Quit stalling. This has been episode 15 of Morning Room. <laughs> I'm, I'm joking, I'm joking, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Um, no, that's it, goodbye. <laughs> no, so I, I, I was, I was going to talk about something. No, else, your topic is now the number 15, 15 bitch. <laughs> Excellent, it's actually my favorite number. You know, whatever, <laughs> like, the amount of money I like to keep in my wallet at any one point in time, 15 euro, I think it's the good number. perfect number to have. You, know, you, can get, you can get two and a half coffees with that um, almost anywhere in the city. Um, three if you go to McDonald's, so that's good. Maybe a whole beer if you're lucky. Oh, oh! So, uh, you can get a beer and split it with a friend, and then you've only spent seven fifty. Yeah. So that's good. Dinner um, for two, if you dinner for two, if you don't have a wine, if you got a little. That's that's Easy true. Make yeah. A yeah. Nice dinner for two, or a shit dinner for two and a bottle of wine. Yeah, if you're uh, depending you know, on what's the in the best... house, like, but you could go get a you know cheap cut of meat, bottle of wine, some small small handful of veggies. That's fifteen quid. Best year for cars in the existence of the world, twenty fifteen. Yep. Everyone knows yep. that. Um, you know, it's emissions shot scandal. That's, all that. that's exactly where it's there. You know, I think it's a, it's just a solid number. The yeah. number of the number of uh, of hours you should spend a week in work, fifteen. That's after that you should clock out. You're done. You've How about that? For the week. Certainly, the actual level of work. The rest is just dosing around and going to meetings. <laughs> yeah, fifteen hours of real work, and then forty-seven hours of other shit that you're being forced to do under this contract mm. that you signed. You fucking plebeian. No, I I think uh, fifteen. I, it's a reasonable I, rate at which to set the minimum wage in your country. $15. Or in Ireland, let's just call it 15 euro. Yeah, there you go. Mm. Um, no, I, I think uh, I was going to talk about something else, but I think I think I would like to, since we went on to, to football and stuff, I'd like to talk about stuff that people hear about you that they find surprising, but it's kind of irritating that they find that surprising. Like, it's almost offensive that they found something about you surprising. Well, um, is this so just like a way that... of you segueing into saying that you were signed to the Youth Academy at Middlesbrough and people didn't believe that? Exactly, and I think out. it's very offensive. No, I think uh, <laughs> so. It's like so. Like Dan Witt is uh, like Dan, obviously big soccer fan, um, big rugby fan too, right? Yeah, big enough, bigger okay. soccer fan. I feel kind of like... non-committal about that, though, Dan. Well, it's just because my main memories of watching rugby in the last few years have been trying to get RTE player to work, which was <laughs> our any man on the sport. I feel like that's something that um, people would find very surprising. Mm. Um, which is weird because it's like, why would you find anyone's hobby surprising? That's a very strange, a strange thing. One of the things that I got a lot for a, quite a period of time, and I haven't got it for a while, is that I used to get this like, <laughs> I used to get this like really like real backhanded. I wouldn't even say compliment. It's definitely a fucking insult. Mm. Where people would say stuff along the lines of like, yeah, you know, you're you're surprisingly accepting of people, and it's like, what does that mean, dude? What? Like, what does that fucking mean? I got that a lot. As I thought you would, basically. Like, like honestly, like, yeah, I would have, like, honestly, if I had to guess, I would have said, like, like, oh, absolutely homophobe bigot. But, like, you know, actually not, though. 
I used to get stuff like that all the fucking time. When I told people I thought how that, I voted, I thought that pasty little ginger was some sort of closet fascist is basically the reaction. I guess so, it? yeah. Which is what really like fuck? I don't know where that fucking comes from. Like <laughs> popular I, depictions I of media, perhaps? I maybe. I don't fucking know. <laughs> well, like it's really, it's just it's so fucking weird. Like I uh one of the things was that like the there was I, I probably shouldn't say his name. I won't say his name. I won't say his name. There was a guy I used I'll to hang after. out with quite a lot. Um, oh no! <laughs> we were out, we were out one night, and he was trying to make. He basically was trying to get these two girls to kiss, and one really? of them wanted to Ugh. do it. Yeah, one of them wanted to do it, and one of them didn't want to do it. Okay, but well that's the end said, of the matter then, isn't it? Except she said, "I will do it though if you kiss a guy first. <laughs> So, naturally, in this fucking weird degenerate's mind, he goes, oh, okay, so he turned around and kissed me. <laughs> That's nice of him. Did he ask Which... permission first? No, no. Of course he did. No, he did not. Dirty I've dog. been kissed by a guy three different times, and not once has anyone ever asked for permission. <laughs> I'll tell you that much. Nasty. And it has, never been, it has never been me coming off to someone else. But one, after Maybe just that, people like your mouth. But after that, no, I'll tell you that. Get married, <laughs> baby. Ah, <laughs> oh, shit, no one will see the wink. Sorry. <laughs> there was a, for the audio listeners, there was a wink there. There's, you'll never hear it. Um, Dan, you have yeah, to do so audio description when this banter's going on. We can, we can edit in a bing kind of a thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah we, we, we edit that in after the fact. But uh, yeah, someone we were with was like, oh, that was really surprising that you didn't like, I thought you were going to like glass him or something. And I was like, what? And he was like, yeah, you know, because like he kissed you. I was like, what the fuck does that mean? Like, do you think I'm some kind of like weird like homophobe? Like, <laughs> maybe you just saw the look on your face. Was there a look on your face? The look on my face is what the fuck just happened? Not I'm going to slit this gay guy's throat. Like, I don't know where the fuck that <laughs> came from. It was such a weird reaction. But I was looking at him even more surprised of like, do you think like in my head, I just walk around looking at gay people like aggressively? Like, is that is that what you <laughs> think of me? Is that how other people think of me? It was really Awful. strange. It's definitely an interesting question because it really gets into the unconscious like assumptions people make. Like, I think if you said to someone, um, yeah, that dude, you know, he, he, I don't know, he's got an angry walk, for example. They'd be like, no, that, that's, that's, si that's silly. All but, the really angry people I know have angry walks, though. But it is, it is a thing people would make an assumption about in their head where they categorize that as, as an angry walk. They never interrogate it as a thought. And then just it pops up again a few weeks later when they, they're just like, oh, yeah, he's angry. I remember. Mm. I don't remember why I know, but I, I, do, I, do, I know he is. And that, yeah, oh, and exp aren't expressions or isn't someone who goes around expressing anger and expressing um, shall we say a, a cavalier and brusque demeanor isn't not part of their personality though like isn't what is readily ob yeah, obvious typically. to people about someone's demeanor part of their personality yeah typically yeah I would have said so so if someone has a resting bitch face I mean they may yeah. not mean it but certainly there would be some indication that they're not constantly like that from them at some other point in your interaction with them that would dispel this RBF. Yeah, I mean, in fairness, if you do know someone like that, you usually forget about it, and then when someone else brings it up, you're kind of like, oh, yeah. yeah a little bit, <laughs> I guess. Yeah, I guess they are like that, aren't they? Um, yeah, it's just weird. I, I don't know what it is where <laughs> where people just have, like, this weird low opinion of me. Like, uh, I got like, some kind of weird fucking, like, hate, like, just, like, vile person, I guess, is their opinion of leprechaun. me. And also, though, the weirdest part is, like, then why are you friends with me? If you take like that's the weirdest part about it's, it, where it's like if it's you think I'm just like forgive the homophobia, all right? Yeah. <laughs> like I, I know he were. might be homophobic and racist and all, but like you know, I like going I'm for pints with him. Oh man, I thought <laughs> you were. I thought you were sounds. 
thought you were a sound. You don't even hate the gays. What the fuck? <laughs> I just thought it's so weird. It's such it's such a weird fucking scenario where it's kind of like, you know, you someone says that to you and you're looking at them like, well, fuck you, dude. You're a fucking piece of shit. And then they're like, why are you mad at me? And it's like, what do you mean why am I mad at you? Figure it out. <laughs> what the fuck? Bizarre. Yeah, I, I absolutely. I, I definitely had something like that happen to me. Is that like, yeah, people are always surprised when I'm like, yeah. Yeah, I'm into you know, I'm into sports or whatever. And like, really? Like, I think they expect me to, because you know, for for listeners who haven't looked at the logo on of of, of the podcast, you know, I'm I'm big glasses, skinny guy, pretty much like a stereotypical looking nerd. So I think they expect my name to be Melvin. And yeah. Like, ah, whenever I see anything vaguely sporty going around. Weren't you nicknamed um, Percy in school? Yeah, but that was just because my of my surname, not because of. I don't think it was just because of your surname, Don. It definitely was just because of my surname, because the science teacher gave it to me on the first class of first year, so that's had mean. time to decide I was a Percy yet. Uh, yeah, I think yeah. maybe the science teacher just decided you were a Percy. At the risk of defaming someone by not saying their name, he was a terrible teacher. <laughs> In fairness, that is oh, a if we go on to rate my teachers for what school you were on, will we find him? Can, um, we read, can we read some of the entries on rate my teachers for him now? No, no, I don't think we can. We'll because... have to figure out a way to do that while also being like sneaky about it. We we, we definitely can't just openly read it out. I also um, we'll make we'll mix in content. some other we can mix in some other ones. I also don't think it'd be good content unless you went to the school. This episode's dedicated specifically to all the old Christians' boys. I mean, like, I mean, right? My teacher's content is always go crack. I think one of the best things is universal. Everyone hates their teachers or loves that's their true. Teachers. One of the best. Uh, one of the best pieces of content I've seen online, maybe ever, was recently I seen a review for the PlayStation 5 that says, Great console, bought this with my divorce money. <laughs> 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 Which might be the greatest comment I've ever seen. I, I was thinking like, oh, okay. That's, I think they won. Also, think, are, are we getting the PS5s? Maybe. I've, I've tried. <laughs> I think that's, that's an unspoken assumption people have about you, Adam. You look like someone who has a PS5. Yeah. Yeah. I mean that in the most that's... insulting way possible. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Ouch. People do think, man, this guy's a gamer, and I, you could not be further from the truth. I wish I was a gamer. If I could, if I could have time to play a video game, that would be fucking great. The whole reason we came up with a show about video games was just to have an excuse to pick up a fucking controller. <laughs> that's all that was. I just don't yeah. have time for anything in life. That's, that's the only way around it. Eventually, I'm going to have to have a gym show because I just won't have time to go to the fucking gym. And it didn't even work. So for those of you who haven't yet uh, checked out our other content, uh, check out our first episode of Game Night where... We play Trivial uh, Pursuit. Because mm -hmm. the Nintendo servers do not work for yeah. Mario Party or Mario Kart. Mm. Yeah. It's shocking that a uh, service that we paid a combined 40 euro per calendar year for didn't work Ouch. in our favor. I'm really <laughs> surprised that that didn't pan out as masterfully as we were expecting. <laughs> It's a fucking billion dollar company. Pull your hand out of your fucking ass and get the shit working. Like, fuck off. It is really surprising. Like, We've only sold 500 million Nintendo Switches. How could we possibly make the online work? <laughs> but especially because, like, there are fairly developed competitive scenes for um, Smash and Mario Kart especially. So you would have thought that that's, you know, something that would... Competitive scene doesn't sound to me like, some, like, to be, like it would be something that would make an incredible amount of money for the video game company concerned. It would drive people towards the game. Yeah, they, they have an awfully big audience, and the prize money for that stuff is usually quite big and raised outside of the game company. Mm. Um, and, like, there's some people, like, you know, there's people that have won millions playing Street Fighter, like, you know. And really? That, yeah, and that just raises gigantic money for fucking Capcom, like, because it's just Capcom's name is plastered all over this giant gaming tournament. 
you know, and that's going to make people buy the game and like devote time to watching the game and that kind of stuff. I think it works out great for people. Um, yeah, a... But yeah, I just <laughs> we try, we tried. It didn't work out. We're going to try again. It'll work eventually. We've, we'll figure uh... something out. We'll figure something out. But you can watch Trivial Pursuit eventually. <laughs> you can watch soonish, maybe. Mm. Yeah, Stephen. What's some what's some things people have thought about you that are completely off the mark? A lot of people think I'm gay. I'm not. Sorry. Okay. That's a strange one. Why do yeah. you think that is? Like to sing, like to act. Uh, you suck one dick and suddenly you're you're a member so of the LGBT One community. fucking dick. Yeah. <laughs> you try it once in college and then no one ever forgets. Mm. <laughs> Cuz you keep telling people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. It doesn't Even help that you've a photo. <laughs> Suck a dick, Stephen. Well, I already have. <laughs> Way ahead of you. Hated it. Got Joke's on you. <laughs> Way ahead of it. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, that, that's a strange one, I guess. Yeah, it is a strange or one. Or maybe it's not a strange one. I don't know. I don't think I have a very good gaydar. Mm. I, I don't think a lot of people do. <laughs> yeah. Probably for the best. I don't think I don't think it's very healthy to continually go around being like, what's their sexuality? What's their I wonder sexuality? what hole they like to get it into. Yeah, yeah they, I mean, that's they can true. tell you in their own good time if they want to. That's mm. yeah. So, I for anyone like... listening, I'm not actually a racist or a homophobe. I'm not against the trans community. <laughs> I, not, none of that is all true. I don't know where that comes from. Some it's of bizarre. my best friends are trans. He says. Obviously, I don't play with the English, but who does? You know, I don't fuck with those guys. But that's that's mm. natural. I can't be dealing with that. Can't be dealing Inside with that. Uh, Ra- Rachel. Chelsea. Oh, Rachel. You got it right. The Rachel. First See, ah, I did get it right. Outside of Rachel. Rachel, you're allowed to keep listening to the podcast. Shouts out to Rachel. She listened recently. <laughs> it came up on my stats. <laughs> Thanks for Hi, Rachel. Thanks for checking out the, the podcast. Episode 15. Woo! Tell us about Rachel. No, don't, don't do that. Don't do that. Gonna... <laughs> don't, don't do that. Let's, let's not do that. That's a dangerous game. Let's not play that game. Of my friends who've listened in on the show. <laughs> We don't know what degenerates <laughs> listen to this show yet. Send me a list of the IP addresses. I'll see what my friends are doing. I have okay. all your IP addresses from gaming, I think. Probably. Yeah, I have a big text file with all my friends' IP addresses in it. Doesn't everybody? That's and very if you're, uh, if you are Mark Zuckerberg and you want a list of IP addresses, come hit me up. I've got a lot of them. You know, different country. You want to get into France? You're not big in the French market? I got some for you. You know, you want to... <laughs> oh, you want those Russian IP addresses? Oh, they'll come in, baby. I'm going to wrap them all up and throw them over to yourself. I'm kind of surprised at who I've seen using, uh, you know, uh, using connecting to me via a VPN. Very interesting. Not who I would have expected. Huh. A few Strange. hard drives for people to check there, you know? Yeah. Yeah, if 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 uh, if anyone in the FBI is listening and you want to you want to try and catch some of these people, I'll give their names out. We're not that mm. good friends anyway. I, I really thought, I always thought they were a bit sus. Podcast. Oh, I already always thought they were a bit sus. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's all I got. That's I just wanted everyone to know that I'm not some kind of weird bigot that everyone seems to think I am for some fucking reason. I guess came, I don't know. It came so naturally. There was yeah. There, my topic is I'm not a racist. An <laughs> apology. <laughs> Oh, I don't know, man. I just I've seen the way you curl dumbbells, and I just always thought like that's a man that hates the gay community. <laughs> you know, I just want like, what are you talking? Where does it come from? You got fury in his eyes, low level. Yeah, of but hatred. that's for different reasons. Gyms uh, yeah. are breeding grounds for your kind of trash. Assuming I would have thought, I would have thought from the Irish Catholic moralistic response to gyms, like 
there's a whole like low level of discourse about how gyms and the vanity culture associated with them seem to be morally suspect um from shall we say the traditional catholic right um a lot of a lot of presumption about gyms there a lot of a lot of uh, uh wink and a nudge stuff for people who haven't lifted a dumbbell in their life yeah i mean i'll tell you one thing i'm I mean, definitely about fitness, and, about fitness in general to, uh... I'm definitely morally supposed to make when it comes to the Catholic Church. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> the Catholic Church. We've Being the Catholic Church, not changes. aligned. <laughs> not aligned at all. Sorry, if you're a Catholic and listening to this, uh, sorry. <laughs> I don't know. You're, I don't the, know what you're in the wrong room, pal. Sounds like it's your fault. <laughs> right, that's, that's all I got. Have we got anything else? Is there anything else on the agenda? No, I no. think that's, that's it. That's full, okay, full length shout episode. out to the LGBTQ community. Is it LG, LGBTQ? Is it Pride Week or Pride Month now? or what is it? It's Pride it's Month. Pride, Pride Month. Yeah, Pride Month is last week up until two weeks from now. When people that's are listening to this. Two weeks from now. Yeah. Oh yeah, okay, we're halfway there. Okay, well, um, I, I recommend you all get gayer by the day for the next two weeks and stay that way for the next year. You know what? Fuck it. Let's all get yeah. gayer by the day. Let's all get gayer by the day. This this podcast is a proud supporter of the gay community. Yeah. Turf's out. We're going to turf you out. <laughs> this is yeah, not cold, cold house for trans-exclusionary radical quote-unquote feminists. Reactionary feminists, as I call them. Fuck I feel off. like I should just jump in to say yes. Just in case otherwise people are like, I noticed Dan didn't <laughs> agree to any of that. I noticed Dan is the least radical of any of these people expressing <laughs> sentiments here. Up your game, Dan. <laughs> The podcast centrist. <laughs> Quite honestly, I think we should replace the Irish flag with the pride flag full time. And then hmm. we should replace the pride flag with the Irish flag again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> never loop. When it gets retro. <laughs> the green stands for Well, LGBT. This has been episode 15 of Morning Brew. Shouts out to all of our friends in the LGBTQ plus I community. I don't know. Look, I, I, I try and keep up with the with the terminology, but sometimes I make a mistake. My bad. If I got it wrong, I'll get it right next time. I'm sorry, the it, acronym's got too got too long, but it is LGBT. I'm fine with that. It's and LGBT. If you if you if you identify as something else out there that involves the plus, I don't I don't see the need to add the plus. You just do you. Yeah. Big fan of the community. Do what you need to do. Do what you gotta do. Doesn't harm me in any way, and I don't know why you get bent out of shape about it, but you do you. Always an ally. Stop that. Stop that. Episode 15 of Morning Brew in the books. I have, of course, been Adam Sheridan. I'm still Stephen Burke. And I am Daniel Purcell. As always, you can listen to us on Spotify and iTunes. You can listen to us on the website. Make sure you like the podcast. Make sure you share it with your friends. Podcast is actually picking up quite a bit of steam on iTunes and Spotify. So continue to like and share it because it helps out a lot. Sounds like the the Android users are going to have to up their game, baby. Yeah, absolutely. Every Check us out on one of those really shit like, podcast apps for Android. Rate, also, comment, subscribe. When we get to when we get to hundred five star likes on on iTunes, I'm gonna do a giveaway. And it's gonna be a good giveaway. Not like the last giveaway. It's gonna be a very solid giveaway. And I'm hundred percent serious with that. I'm not gonna we reveal guess the what prize. it might be. No, I'm not gonna reveal the prize. Is that it is a year's free advertising in the Stephen Green Shopping Center bin? <sighs> Fuck, they got it. Okay. We're gonna put a new prize now. A quartz rock over here that I found in the back garden. They can have that. That'll do. Yeah. Uh, runner-up prize. That's the runner-up prize. The top prize is a Sonic the Hedgehog yo-yo that flashes red when you put it down. Had one as a kid. Greatest thing I ever had. Sick. Lost it. I think it fell down a sewer drain. Can't really remember. Anyway, yeah. this has been episode 15. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.